Hello, listeners. How's your week going? It's all a bit strange, isn't it? To help guide you through the current uncertainty, Colin and I have just come off a Zoom session with the wonder that is Simon Thackeray. Here's what we said, almost completely unedited. So, apologies for the rather less than smooth production that you might be used to. But here's another Incisive Decisive. Hello. Welcome to Incisive Decisive. This is Simon Thackeray, and I am absolutely knackered. This is just one of the most random and chaotic experiences I've ever come across. Nothing, I think, could um, have prepared us for just how things are changing so quickly by the minute, by the hour, by the day, by the week. And we're just having to respond to it. We're having to throw normal working practice disappeared this week. It's out, out of the window, isn't it? Completely. Everything's out of the window. You, you, you try and work out a plan of action, and by the time you press print on it to give to yeah. people, it's out of date. It's great, utterly great. But there is a, but there is a, there is a very good um, repurposing of that process because all of the protocols we wrote over the past 10 days we're now using as toilet roll. <laughs> uh. I have to. I have to admit. So, you know, I have to admit. Hands up. I may be the cause of um, all the bulk buying that's been going on because I, I said to my wife about two months ago, um, you know, this this thing that's happening in China and just is just starting in Italy. Um, we don't don't worry about it too much, but just on the next Ricardo shop, just buy a few extra tins of stuff, and then the next <laughs> week, everything turns out. It's like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> so be good for Lee. Okay, so let's let, let's go let's go into a podcast and let's explain to everybody that this yeah. is a three way Zoom call. And remember, yes. nobody um, nobody knew knew anything about Zoom apart from the Campbell Academy five <laughs> years ago. We've been using it. <laughs> apart from us, nobody knew about it till last weekend. We've been running courses and projects on it for years. Um, but so we're great. But um, but um, here's an interesting question. So we've got Simon on, and obviously Sean and I, but. Sean, you said, you know, two months ago when you realised it was kicking off and it went into China and Italy. At what point in Italy? What kind of? How many cases in Italy did you realise? At, at what point did you realise it was going to be a problem? The first case, the second. Now, I think it was the, as soon as it started getting to that sort of real massive explosion of cases that there was. So, so what's interesting here is that the second case was diagnosed in Italy on the 20th of February, okay? Mm. So you think it was months ago, as everybody else does. The first case was diagnosed on the 31st of January, and the second case wasn't diagnosed until the 20th of February. That's Italy's big problem, Yes, is that they failed to diagnose a second case. Yeah. That wasn't the second case that occurred. It was the second case that was tested. Now, but all of us are sitting in this chronological drag where we now feel that this has been going on 
since 1978, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And it ha the first case was diagnosed in China on the 31st of December. That's when it was described as a novel coronavirus. So we haven't even been going three months yet That's in China. Crazy. It's crazy. And now everybody's on this accelerated time thing where they think, Jesus, this is, you know, this is going to be horrendous. China have already been in for nine months. We're going to be in for 14 months. And actually, we haven't, that's a common Zoom problem, that isn't it? And we haven't, um, we haven't, uh, we haven't, we haven't been in it for, you know, China, uh, Italy haven't been in it for the second case for just a month now, just over a month, right? And so that's worth remembering that before we, you know, before we instill and continue to instill downright utter absolute horrendous <laughs> panic uh, uh, from a podcast which basically says man down the hatches guys we're all going to die um, coronavirus doesn't, I doesn't know. knock I, on I, the don't, I don't think it's going to be that bad I have to say I don't think it's going to be that bad at all um, but we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that predictions and, and whatnot later on well let's come on to predictions and stuff towards the end of this yeah, yeah. let's let's because because our listeners are entirely sick of listening to us talk about philosophical shit so let's get Simon Thackeray to talk about some I don't, philosophical I don't shit know instead. any philosophical shit I steal your Colin <laughs> I don't have any of my own. No, you're from Yorkshire. <laughs> come on. Well, I, well, I'm gonna Why don't you repurpose some of mine in your own voice? This, this, this whole <laughs> last week has been about repurposing everything, repurposing people, repurposing toilet yeah, paper, repurposing ideas. Um, I think the chief dental officer has been repurposed somewhere, something, doing something. Um, oh, gee. <laughs> right. Can I introduce a word? Can I introduce a word? So we should have a coronavirus lexicon, a coronavirus glossary, right? So repurposing, that's like bounce back ability. Nobody used that word before this week. So they never used repurposing. Obviously, for loving or whatever it was. Furloughing, like furloughing like loving, is, yeah, is the newest. Right? They never, they ne <laughs> but even better, I've got a better one that you don't know because I'm involved in grassroots football. So foop, so expunged. Right, there's a good one because all results have been expunged, right? And so, please can everybody in the United <laughs> Kingdom have their contract values expunged? Please can I have my pre can I have my previous GDC judgment expunged because of coronavirus? <laughs> so we're now just we're just making up words because we're in an inverted commas crisis, coronavirus crisis. So I'm going to go around. I mean, this weekend. I'm going to be expunging like crazy. You've got no idea. I'll be in my back garden in the sunshine, in the sunshine expunging away to my heart's content. Right? Yeah, you'll get arrested for <laughs> it. It's just great. It's great. Not in my own garden. I've got a fence. So it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's gone crackers, hasn't it? And that's one of the biggest issues, isn't it? Is the crackersness of it all. Not the virus itself. I think that that's partly due to the lack of strong leadership at the top of the profession. Certainly, yeah, um, being slightly more serious, the CDO has been AWOL. Um, and if you compare England to Wales to Scotland, um, days behind um, England are probably because of, um, I would imagine, arguments with the NHS and getting funding sorted and that kind of thing. But, you know, well, I, where's the CDO when you need them? I, I understand that many threads and that many streams open of various communication media at the mm. moment. I'm struggling to remember where some of it is coming from. And one of the things that I did read somewhere, and I don't know how factual it is, but that the CDO has been 
tasked as being sort of second in charge of the whole response and that may well come from yeah i think that might have come from right. for me simon yeah so um the C- cdo i think i believe is head of primary care response and um, therefore the deputy cdo is essentially doing the job of the cdo even though the cdo is signing the letters from the CDO, or they found the uh, e-signature of the CDO somewhere. So where's so the deputy CDO right. then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the deputy who, CDO. who is the deputy CDO? Well, that's interesting because they've yeah. just been appointed. So that's a new appointment. <laughs> Welcome to the job. There you go. And um, so, <laughs> don't worry, it's always like this. Um, so... The, the interesting thing is I might or might not have it on good authority that the delay of the CDO's letter was as a result of the fact yeah. that um, the funding package hadn't been agreed. Yeah. And so they couldn't put it out and so until they could very soon afterwards put it out. But, but look, uh, yes, it's been too, too it's been too slow in coming out. Yes, it's been delayed beyond other countries. But welcome to the world of de- devolved healthcare is better. If we were living in a world where healthcare was actually devolved properly, you would be able to have fast reactive responses in your devolved setting, like Scotland have had for a 5 million population instead of England for a 60 million population. And I think that's one of the factors. It's one of the benefits. Yes, there may be disadvantages, but it's one of the benefits of devolved government or devolved leadership is you can react quickly. And they, 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 so they did react a lot faster. And, and to be fair, they're a lot also, more significantly. They're also setting seemingly a lot quicker. Um, because one of the issues we've got now is obviously we were discussing this last night as well, weren't we, Colin? That the 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 read of of what the CDO is saying is you are not to have face to face contact with your patients. You are not to be going into work and seeing patients. Mm. Okay, that's fine. But where are we supposed to be sending these patients to? Because some of the things are not going to be suitable for just antibiotics and advice. And the hubs, the hot hubs, the cold hubs are not set up yet. I'm party to the discussions in my local area, in fact, two LDCs, because, you know, my work with the BDA. This is this is not the BDA views, by the way, that I'm giving. Um, but, you know... Sitting on GDPC, I get to sit on three LDCs or two LDCs, so I'm party to all these things going backwards and forwards. And they're still arguing whether the cold hubs may have FFP3 protection. Well, if they don't, that's no better and no more protective of the staff than what we had already got, and we're providing probably pretty damn good emergency access for our patients. There is an issue with with the safety side of that from aerosol and everything. But actually, if you just look at it on the one-sided, you know, there was some access to emergencies. There is now no access to emergencies, yeah. and we haven't got the joined-up thing in place. So that, that's Do we one... think, though, that... Go on, do go on. we think that the people might... Do we think that people might appreciate that there aren't actually a lot of, in inverted commas, dental emergencies yeah. that actually exist? Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Might, so that, got... might that be a problem? Maybe that undermine our position somewhat when people realise that what was construed a dental emergency before is actually there's quite a small number of those that can actually be mm. that can actually be dealt well, we with from a medical yeah, perspective. Be interesting to see how, um, yeah. how the GDC respond in the future if you don't do a call out from from medical for a dental emergency because obviously we you know a loose crown isn't you know a lost filling isn't it. It's, uh-huh. It's certainly no, reading. No, 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 no. And, that, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a differential between private and NHS practice. Absolutely. The private practice, you're providing a service. 
you know, in terms of um, a customer service experience as well to go with your private, because that's part of the product you're producing. Whereas in the NHS, you can say, no, no, you're getting a basic service. I mean, there, we talked again, and this has been talked about uh, in, in a few places, but this is also potentially a mechanism for them to redesign entirely the NHS package of dentists. Totally. You know, what NHS dentistry looks like a year from now and what we'll be developing into a year from now may be entirely different after significant amounts of people in their contracts so that yeah, they can so, follow. So it's quite quite possible that um, that CDO letter is also politically motivated just to split um, dentistry into fully private, fully NHS because of the, I, the implication. I, 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 I can't see that. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't see anything else in that apart from that. The other thing, though, that... And, and, and I know we're on limited time scale because I'm a cheapskate that's on a free Zoom account because my other Zoom account has been used to run a course. But it's also, I mean, my strategy through this has been, as soon as we found out there was a problem, was basically to try and chuck as many of my team under a bus as possible so that they died, so that I didn't have to pay them anymore, so that I could retain lots of shiny bright objects that I've become accustomed to in my life at the expense of people hey, who are Do you mean there's actually me, people who've done that? I, can't, around, I can't believe that there are people out there who might have thought that, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> People who used people who used to hide under the disguise of an ethical healthcare practitioner, Goodness. and then the first sign of trouble just Goodness set the team on fire and poured petrol on them. Um, In dentistry, charlatans, surely not. So that's. <laughs> That's one of the biggest Absolutely. issues that we've seen in this in the circles yeah, that yeah. we've been running in Simon, certainly, right? Is but the, people is, will, people will remember the, that. The, people will remember who who did what when it when it comes out so. to the other end. I hope Definitely, so. yeah. Well, sad, sadly, the people that do it won't remember it because their cognitive <laughs> dissonance is so great that they'll remember that they were great ethical practitioners that saved their business. And <laughs> um, that that's that, that's that is that is definitely one of the big issues. And the other big issue is the people. It's the guys who are still driving deep into the band to move by saying that this is an emergency ground prep or an emergency implant yeah, placement. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And so I haven't seen directly the emergency implant placement being done yet, but I could probably <laughs> pick a few practices where it's happening. Um, but um, but perhaps since we're trying to do this in one edit, um, you know, one take with no edits, no, but perhaps, perhaps, I won't perhaps they ought to realise if they are listening, <laughs> but, but some um, of the stuff that's coming out from the indemnifiers is if anything goes wrong at this point, you might not be indemnified. Oh, because the discretionary yeah, aspect yeah. there is yeah, let's, let's let's the time where I find myself agreeing with the discretionary aspect because if they decide to Protect, yeah. to protect the rest of the members. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> what what is interesting is is the latest GDC response is that if you're um, if you're working in an AHS practice, you've got to follow the CDO's guidance, obviously. But if you're in private mm-hmm. practice, you you have to um, carry out your own risk assessment. And I'm seeing that as a justification of actually, if I can justify this mm-hmm. treatment, I can go on and crack on and do it. Without any, it's like they're saying, well, it's the patient versus the dentist and the nurse. Well, it's it's much more than that. It's patient versus the dentist, the nurse, their families, and the community at whole. And actually, you've got yeah. to have some kind of pretty significant emergency, like real significant emergency, to outweigh, you know, putting yeah. the community at whole at a risk. So when we were making a decision to shut last Sunday night, Sunday through the day, um, I can I could absolutely justify. In my mind, my position to I could be full this week, absolutely full of people desperate to undergo implant treatment. So I had, I kid you not, like 
we had something like 40,000 quids worth of implant treatment in this week. Masses of masses of money, right? Um, which, for our point of view, in contingency planning, would have given us another month or two months worth of, of, of shutting the practice. So the, so the urge to keep it open through that treatment to the very end of the week is great, isn't it? One of the guys is having five implants. He's 72 but he's healthy, right? My nurse was quite happy. She, she understood the risk, but, you know, it's important. Let's just get it done. She would have been quite happy to get it done. And so I could have I could have worked around, couldn't I, that situation and said, well, we've done a risk assessment. We've talked to the patient. We've taken the temperature. We did not wait in the waiting room. They're only here and there in the car. That's completely wrong because it's completely wrong on a societal level isn't it? Let alone individual safety of my nurse, individual safety of the patient or the team. It's wrong because they should, that 72-year-old, A, should not be undergoing the treatment because if he crashes his car or has a problem during the yeah. treatment, he's yeah. got to go to hospital. But if he has a complication, an implant surgery, let's face it, comes with a lot more complications yeah. than people are actually prepared to discuss. Um, what should we do with him after the complication happens? Where does he go, right? Two of the cases this week were supposed to be sinus grafts, right in the ENT zone. You know, clearly with the information that came available last week, we can't be doing this. But other people, m my lab received um, crown preps on Tuesday by post, which had been done Monday afternoon for an, an upper anterior six-unit crown prep. Six units on the guy, somebody over 70. So that's an emergency, clearly, isn't it? An emergency six-unit six anterior crown prep. You know, this is that. So there's they, these guys are going to have to be called out about doing that because they you can't tell me they didn't know, right? Um, and if they didn't know, that's negligent. Actually, they shouldn't. It's, be it's up. If you're yeah, if you're not keeping up to date, it was clear from the end of last week, the start of this week, that we were going to be essentially shut down. So you know, if you've got any kind of not even business sense, but just sense at all, you could see that coming an yeah. absolute mile off, and you need to plan for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's you a, do. That's a, so, conversation, so that's, that's a conversation you need to be having over the weekend at night before you go in on, on Monday morning. But we're having these conversations internally. You know, yeah. we're, we're our internal, my internal, um, you know, voices. It sounds like I'm speaking, I've got voices in my head at the moment. I'm that bloody tired. But the internal, the internal dialogue that's going on <laughs> is, is exactly that, Colin, that we've been having. And I know we spoke on Friday and, and, our positions have, have changed and morphed and 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 blended throughout the whole um, the, the the whole thing. Um, but the the internal dialogues that these people are having, you know, what what are they? I think it's self. It's self self self. It's not other yes. people. And so that's the test, isn't it? So you shouldn't be working in this environment. You're in the wrong job. Okay. And and so what happens next? And as we, this is why these type of things are so good because this is an angle that I hadn't even thought about because we're too busy in the moment now. But we know we're going to come out of this, and it's going to be tough times to get to get our businesses up and running again. Okay, and we're all going to have to work hard and do the right thing. But are those guys that were trying to do that? Are those guys that were jettisoning their team? What what are they going to do when things get tight? They're not going to go and do decide to do the right thing and change their life. They're going to well, do entirely by, the wrong thing, aren't they? Judging by some of the and things, they're going to have I'm, to be placed. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding out people are, are. I'm sure you're the same. We've, we've made ourselves available for people to, to ask us questions and, and, and just bounce things off. As my, my wife's had the same sort of thing from her nursing colleagues and my practice manager, who has, has run practices for, for corporates, and she's been inundated. And some of the things that 
you know these people are doing to their staff at this time there's the self-protection this is like the the leader of a an army running away and then having to come back and fight another day the troops will not be there you know how you look after your staff at this moment in time and how you support them through this is also going to be one of the ways that your business will survive the financial thing is one thing don't get me wrong but also, if you want to open, you know, start picking up the pieces at the end of this, if this is a month, if this is, you know, three weeks, if the CDO totally turns around and says, it's all right, lads, you can go back to work on Monday. Um, how, how are you going to do that with if you have treated your staff like, you know, like shit, basically? Um, you're going to reap what you sow. Because let's face it, there's going to so be a lot of, lot of jobs going for, for nurses and hygienists Absolutely. and probably associates as well. I think associates too. I think that's true. Now listen, what's the sense for anybody that chooses to listen to this over the next few days of when oh. you think we will be able to open? <laughs> If you could have seen the video there, guys, you would have had your answer. And I think that was sign language for for nine months on Tuesday. No, so, um, so here's here's my here's my prediction, right? So if you look at if you if you look at the very first um Imperial modeling, it was pretty doom and gloom. It's we're going to be in lockdown for months and months and months and months. Um, and then you look at the more recent Oxford modeling, it's much less severe. So, my prediction, and take this with whatever pinch of salt, I have essentially pulled this out of um, thin air to a certain extent. I reckon we're going to be on reduced lockdown by the end of May middle to the end of May. Whether that means we'll be going back to work then, I don't know. But you, I would imagine, we'll have limited. Um, availability you um, made of May. So interestingly, I, 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 wrote, I wrote today's blog this morning and one of the things I've been trying to do is be a scientist a little bit. Um, and I know that's difficult because there's so much information to get through. Ev- everyone's suddenly person, an epidemiologist. <laughs> well, it's the first the first person to, to think about looking at is Neil Ferguson, isn't he? He's the guy from Imperial College who did the initial yep. study that flattened the curve. Yep. <clears throat> so I trust him because so far he's been right. Ah, okay. apart from and when he was apart from when he was really, really, really <laughs> wrong with swine flu. <laughs> and the yes, five hundred thousand that are gonna die that now he's twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. But one of my heroes in healthcare was Mike Martin, who was repeatedly wrong and repeatedly changed his view in the light of new evidence. So that's why he's a good guy. Because yeah, he's learned from his mistakes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and remodeled again. So you're right, he does change his view in light of the, the changes to the evidence and yeah. the computer modelling. It's, it's all right to say at this point, I think, well, I, th- I, th- I think that he's saying, that, you know, he's saying half a million people are going to die and now we've done these measures and they've had more of an impact than we thought and now we've remodelled them on the computer. and now it's So now he's saying that with current predictions, it's unlikely to get to 20,000, okay? Mm. And the Oxford guys that you're talking about, Sean, are saying that, at the upper end of their predictions, half the UK have already contracted. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Right. Now, Ferguson disagrees with that, but, but even, but, but, and of course they might have issues about the, mm-hmm. the absolute figures, but these are the ballparks we're in, right? So we're in a ballpark. So um, I try to remove the panic and apply just a little bit of common scientific theory to that and say, well, if we're running at a, at a kill rate of about, at the moment, about 1,500 people, right? 
And even if 25% of the population have contracted this, it pushes down the percentage mortality rate yeah. by several decimal points. You know, it Absolutely. goes from 4% to 0.4 to 0.04, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're dealing with a disease now which is absolutely not as fatal as we first imagined because of the way we were measuring, right? And of course, so I, I, I got into this information as beautiful site. It was updated yesterday. You know, Britain is sitting on about a 4% mortality rate, but they stopped testing. Yeah, right? absolutely. So every person that dies pushes that mortality rate up mm-hmm. like 0.2, mm-hmm. right? And so so they're, they're talking about a test result number in the UK of something like, what, 40,000 or whatever it is, right? Off of off of that, that the, the kill rate of 500, right? But but you you gotta you gotta look sit back and look at the stats and just and I'm not a statistician by any stretch but you gotta look at the numbers and go actually they're not as terrifying as you think and <laughs> and, and that 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 then gives us the peak in two to three weeks and um, and then coming down off the peak the only question to be answered is the risk my, of AGPs. So so you've also you've also something. I. I think we will be, you know, we, we week one into a three-week suggested lockdown. I think, you know, you can guarantee that there's going to be at least mm-hmm. another week tagged on to the back of that. So we're going to have had, a, I think, another three weeks from now lockdown. And I think they will probably introduce yeah. some form. If they, if they bring, if there is the facility to test then they will probably allow some form of phase, slow return for us to start to face-to-face triage patients, maybe within, you know, you're saying end of, end of May there, Sean. I'd, I'd probably say definitely the end of April. Uh, I, I, would, I would think that we may have some form of return to work in a limited a limited manner. I don't think we'll be doing crown preps. I don't think we'll be doing lots and lots of AGPs, but <laughs> we're going to have to probably assess some of our perio patients. We're going to have to deal with some of the, the lost fill-ins that may be starting to develop into things. And it may well be that, you know, once the pressure's off as well, uh, things like the protective, the PPE, may well be available for us to start looking at you know, protecting our teams a little bit more appropriately if there is still thought to be a risk with the aerosol. Because as we're doing more and more research and as more and more days are going by, we're closer and closer to the solution to these things. We're closer and closer to um, vaccine. We're closer and closer to the supply chains not falling apart under under the weight. And all these things then suddenly could come into play, um, you know, at, at the end of this, so that we, we don't see as much of a um, an impact as maybe shutting down for three months straight. You've got to think as well, there's the potential for um, in-surgery testing, as long as we are provided with kits and training, you are, have got the potential that there's going to be a treatment out there. There's loads and loads of antivirals that have been tested. So there's potential treatment coming in. The vaccine is some time off if they ever actually get around to making it. But it, uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom around. But I think um, if you take a step back and um, spend a bit of time looking at things, which we've all got now, um, it's it's bad, but but not it's not going to be the end of dentistry as we know it. It will, ch- it will change. So, so Simon, I, our message has been for the last two of these big hangouts we've done with Chris Barrow is to try and calm ourselves down and provide a little bit of cool 
analysis and, and assistance and help. Well, how do we end this podcast with, with the positive nature that we can, something positive that we can give back to anybody that's listening? Um, and so what, you know, what's your positive take from this? And what My should positive we be doing at the moment is the just looking outside at the, you know, the world and how it is quieter, it's brighter, it's fresher. Um, we're spending times with our families that we wouldn't normally get the luxury of this um, in an unexpected manner. I know there are the business pressures and I know there's all the, the sort of the, the, the dental stuff, but dentistry is a job. It's not who we are. We are the person that, you know, our family expects us to be. I'm the dad. I'm the husband, I'm the dog walker, um, although I've not been walking the dogs much because I spend most of the time on the bloody computer. But the positives are there's still 69 million males out there when all this is finished, and we've got to treat them because we're the only skilled professionals that can do that. Um, and I think we've got to sit tight. We've got to calm ourselves. I'm doing meditation and, and, and stuff like that, which – Everybody always says, well, like, you're just going upstairs for an afternoon nap now because you're old. Either way, I don't, yeah, I <laughs> either, don't either way it works. It, it takes the heat out of the thought processes. And you've got to do that. Um, use, the, use the time to be the best, you know, to do the best you possibly can for yourself as well because you've got to come through this healthy for everybody else, your patients, your staff, and your family. Well done, mate. That's brilliant. And thank you so much for taking the time out because I know it because, like it or not, you've become one of the lights in this and the people you're speaking to and all the guys you're, you're giving your time off when you could just, just work on the stuff to do with your practice and sort yourself out and you've given so much of yourself um, in this and that's a massive credit. I, I hope that the, the good guys will come out of this even better. I suspect yeah. the bad guys will come out of it even worse. But I think that then we'll see a real schism and, and hopefully that'll give us the strength as a profession to just push those bad guys out of the way. Um, and so um, I think, Sean, yeah, Sean, I think we both want to say thanks to Simon for taking us. Yeah, thank you, Simon, very much. Um, very useful, very interesting, insightful. No, thank you very much indeed. It was a pleasure to be, uh, to be invited and a privilege to speak with you guys. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that was incisive COVID dices or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, maybe we'll do this again soon, Sean, because it's not absolutely. So this is good, and we, you know, we've got time. So that's the first of what may be many COVID nineteen special episodes. You know how to get in touch with us, so drop us a line if you want to chat. Otherwise, stay inside and stay safe. Until the next time, that was Incisive Decisive. So Simon, oh, do you want to introduce yeah. this podcast and show the guest? Mm. So you need to say. So Sean will tell you what to say. You need to say, "My name is Simon Thackeray. I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted." You do look quite tired, tired, Simon. I have to say, you look like you've been doing this quite a lot. <laughs> I think this is definitely overexposure that I'm suffering from at the moment. <laughs> Nobody knows what the yeah. weekend is now, but it is nearly the weekend. It feels right. like it's like that. Um, time between yeah. Christmas and New Year 
when you don't really know what day it is it's and you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing. You're saying something on the lines of, hello, my name's Simon Thackeray. I'm absolutely fucking knackered. This is incisive decisive. 